From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsden. They're calling it Super Saturday. They will be marching in the streets, there will be furious clashes in Parliament. And after it all, we may know the future of Brexit very soon. But can this country ever move on? Certainly the country is divided. The question is, can you get a a deal over the line that people will accept as a reasonable compromise? The Evening Standard's political editor, Joe Murphy, doubts it. Later. Simply telling the stories that we've heard over and over again of youth violence doesn't do much but desensitise people to the problem. US-style family therapy is coming to East London to help tackle gang crime, why we're welcoming it. And... I'm in Oita in southern Japan where England are taking Australia tomorrow in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. This is their biggest game in eight years. Our rugby correspondent Will McPherson's in Japan as the typhoon-battered tournament enters its final stages and England face their own Super Saturday. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, Joe Murphy, our political editor, on the big Brexit decision. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. What do we want? People's rights. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? People's Previous People's Vote marches have seen EU flags hoisted high above crowds of hundreds of thousands. The latest in London is looking for a record attendance and it comes as MPs debate the surprise Brexit deal dropped by the Prime Minister via Twitter. It's a day dubbed Super Saturday. Here's our verdict. A divided nation voted on Brexit in the referendum and those divisions have only hardened since then. No single choice now will heal that. The Brexit deal, even if it passes, is not really a final deal, but simply an agreement to turn to the next stage of talks on our country's long-term relationship with Europe. MPs with many different views may come together to give the Prime Minister a majority. The extraction having been done, the building now 
begins. And I'm very confident that when uh, my colleagues in Parliament study this agreement, that they will want to vote for it on, uh, on Saturday and then in, in succeeding days. It would be a vote to move on, but on to what? We don't know. MPs may vote the deal down and decide that a second referendum must be held. If that is what Parliament decides, the government should respect it. Our political editor, Joe Murphy, has been backwards and forwards between London and Brussels over the last couple of days, keeping up with developments. He's in our really busy Westminster office right now. Joe, while MPs debate the deal, there's a protest in the streets and everyone's got an opinion on the way forward. This Super Saturday really shows that there's a lot of division in the country. Certainly the country is divided. Um, We carried a massive poll of polls a week ago which showed that since the referendum, opinion has crept slightly more remain but we're still split as a nation 53-47 the question is can you get uh, a deal over the line that people will accept as a reasonable compromise and that has the potential to, to happen according to Oliver Letwin who's been one of the big rebels but says he'll be backing this deal tomorrow because it comes somewhere in the middle of middle range of what people will accept. How are the numbers looking for Boris Johnson in Parliament? Right now, to me, by my count, it's looking at least 15 short. Um, so that's on the basis that there are 287 Tory MPs. He's going to lose some. It's alleged that there are two ministers on resignation watch today. But he's going to get at least 17, I'm told, of the whipless 21, plus a couple of other independents. Um, and there 15 needs to be filled by Labour MPs. Can he get 16 Labour MPs? It's a tough call. Now, I can imagine that probably all through the night and all through today and possibly into tomorrow morning, lots of MPs will have found themselves buttonholed in the corridors at Westminster. Maybe some of them might have been taken out for a a nice cup of tea and a chat and an attempt to persuade them to, to go with the government. But we do also have this People's March taking place. Can that, if it gets numbers, have any influence on the MPs as they go into the chamber? Well, it it's packs a huge emotional punch um, and it will influence in a specific way with the Labour Party. So the emotional punch comes when you're going to have tens of thousands of people marching through London, possibly hundreds, and a huge crowd in Parliament Square as MPs are preparing to vote. Um, and the particular traction that could have on the Labour Party is that we're revealing today that John McDonnell, the Shadow Chancellor, is going to be the big star, headline speaker at that final say march. Now, John McDonnell treads a very tight line on being loyal to Jeremy Corbyn, his great friend, but also pushing and pushing for Labour to actually um, vote for a referendum on this particular deal. Now, Jeremy Corbyn has said he'll, he's up, up for a public vote and a final say on Brexit, but he's never actually committed to a referendum on Boris Johnson's deal. Um, John McDonnell, um, speaking to The Standard, is quite explicit that there should be a referendum on this particular deal. Labour has yet to put down any amendment that would actually cause that to happen. And this big rally might be the final thing that gets Labour MPs and Mr Corbyn in particular to say, come on, 
we can't sit on the fence or be perceived to sit on the fence because that's damaging too. So let's have a referendum vote. And that could be a game-changer if it happens. And I'm not saying it will happen, and I'm not saying they'd win it in the Commons either. They did try that on Mrs May's deal at one point, and it didn't uh, make any difference. Next. Family therapy's been a success in the US, where it's used to tackle violent crime. Why we think it'll be a useful import here. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. The impact of knife crime in London this year has been undeniable. He um, got stabbed to death on the 13th of September 2016 at Sadi's home. We knew that today was going to be hard and that no matter what form of punishment was given, nothing will ever bring Yusuf back home to us. Nothing will ever ease our heartache. Come down today because we need to stop knife crime. Unfortunately, over the last 10 years, uh, I've lost two uh, young people that I've worked with in my sort of role as a youth worker. So we need to support our most vulnerable young people. In um, yeah, we need to we need to increase the peace and we need to create more opportunities for our young men who are at risk of getting involved in knife crime. Not just young men. I think young women. An East London borough is to trial a family therapy scheme. It's an attempt to reduce gang violence and an idea brought over from the US where studies have shown it can bring down youth crime. The Standard believes it can work here too. This is a welcome bid to address the root causes of the type of offending that has led to so much bloodshed on the capital streets. Under the scheme, to be implemented in Redbridge, a clinical therapist will spend five months working with vulnerable youngsters and their parents or carers to identify and overcome negative patterns of behaviour within the family that might otherwise push them towards gangs. It is the much-vaunted public health approach in action and is much needed at a time when knife crime in London is at record levels. Other councils should either follow the scheme's lead or pursue alternatives that can target the cause of offending. Success will save lives. Now. At the time of recording this podcast, England are still in the Rugby World Cup and preparing for a quarter-final clash with Australia. The tournament's entering its closing stages in Japan, a country that's been praised for keeping the show going, despite some games being hammered by a tornado. Our rugby correspondent, Will McPherson, is in Oita for the match. Will, how's the city preparing for it all? Oita is quite a quiet little spot down, on the, uh, on, uh, down in southern uh, Japan. Beppu is where England are staying, just up the road. Uh, and so this week, it's been it's been it's been a town. It's got a great stadium just outside. It's a town that's been getting into the World Cup. Like really, you could you can sense the World Cup is here. But actually, all week there haven't been too many fans here. Is it expected to get busier, noisier for tomorrow? 
People are just starting to pile into town. Australia and England, World Rugby say that they're the two uh, of the travelling supporters. They're the two, they've sold the most tickets to, to fans from those two nations. So it makes sense that it's going to be very, going to get very lively in, uh, in Oita and Beppu and all the towns nearby. If you, you know, England fans are staying as far away as Fukuoka, uh, which is a, you know, 60 miles across the island and stuff like that. So um, I think the, the atmosphere will be sensational. The, 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 the place is just starting to buzz a little bit and uh, everyone's very excited about tomorrow's game. How prepared are England in comparison to Australia? This is their biggest game in eight years, almost without a doubt. Uh, they got through the group stages quite comfortably. They won their first three games and then Typhoon Hajibis, which has been this devastating storm that hit Japan last weekend, saw their game against uh, France last Saturday and Yokohama cancelled. Uh, so England going to this game on in quite a rare situation, having not played for two weeks. Uh, so no one's quite sure what they, you know, sort of how they're shaping up. Their first two games were, were by England standards, simple games against uh, Tonga and the USA, and then they faced Argentina, who had a man sent off after 17 minutes, which meant that they actually haven't had a big, sort of big bad test so far in this World Cup, which is very rare to to to, to get to a quarterfinal with that situation. And what about Australia? Australia, on the other hand. Uh, have come for a really tough group with Wales and Fiji. Uh, they beat Fiji, they lost to Wales, but they were two. They were two sort of big challenges, which so they, they probably know a little bit more about themselves having come through those challenges, uh, if that makes sense. But, but both both coaches, Michael Checker of Australia and Eddie Jones of uh, of England, who's also an Australian, of course, sprung major selection surprises yesterday. Uh, Jones dropped George Ford, his fly half, who's been arguably England's best player at the World Cup so far and Checker as, as, as some Australian media are calling it the, the biggest gamble in Australian World Cup history they've picked a, a 19 year old at uh, outside centre a bloke called Jordan Pattaya who hadn't made his international debut before this month That's the leader, taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column. It's our opinion, but we want yours. Get in touch and continue the conversation on social media. Use the hashtag TheLeaderPodcast. We're back on Monday.